0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back. It is a new week and a new episode here with Raise the Apple. There is a lot to talk about today with the Mets. Then we have some Major League Baseball stuff to talk about. We got a lot to discuss today, and it's going to be a good one, starting with a wild, wild series in Philadelphia. The Mets were able to take two out of three from the Phillies this past weekend, but without some fireworks there were fireworks in game one and then on Sunday night was a wild wild last two innings so let's start with Friday right Friday yes Friday the bench is cleared bench is cleared in Philly we had Jose Alvarado and Dom Smith going at it so before we go into that though a little bit of background so last time the Mets and Phillies played at City there was at City Field Conforto's up. Jose Alvarado's pitching for the Phillies. He throws one pitch that goes up and in near Conforto's head. The very next pitch he throws, throws up and in. Conforto braces himself again, hits him on the wrist. So back-to-back pitches that were up and in. I mean, I'm not. I don't think Alvarado intended to do that. But Dom and the rest of the Mets did not like that. And then they made Alvarado aware that they did not like that. And they started yelling at him. Alvarado started yelling back. He's telling them to shush and be quiet and go away, all that. And I did not like that from Alvarado. I thought he made it a million times worse. And it was kind of a cowardish on his part. It was childish, I think it's a better word than coward. The way he was, the antics that Alvarado was giving back to the Mets dugout were a little childish. And then we come up to Friday. Dom Smith's up, Alvarado. Is in, Alvarado faces off against Dom Smith. The rematch we all we all were anticipating. And Alvarado strikes out Dom. Dom is walking back to the dugout. Doesn't look at him. Doesn't say a word. Nothing. Strikeout to end the inning. Dom's walking back. He's got his head down. Alvarado, uh, pounding his chest, getting excited because he had a big strikeout. Because the tying run, I believe, the situation was like the tying run was on. Third or in scoring position or something like that, if I remember correctly. And then, Alvarado, being immature and classless, again in my opinion, turns and looks at Dom and is, starts taunting Dom. Starts taunting him, telling him, like, go away, all that kind of stuff, taunting at him. Dom didn't like that, nor would any other player. No one's going to like that. So Dom starts walking towards Alvarado. He starts yelling at him. They start yelling at each other again. Then the bench is clear, and they get in each other's faces. It was a had li- a little bit of excitement to the Met. If you're the Mets, I guess I don't. I never thought Dom would be the type to get in the middle of a, a benches clearing incident like that. But in my opinion, I tweeted this: Alvarado 100% instigated that. Dom did literally nothing wrong in this situation. He was upset a week ago, or however long it was, that his back-to-back pitches were up and in on his teammate, and to an extent, rightfully so. He had a right to be upset. And then, he strikes out, he's got his head down as he walks for his dugout, and then Alvarado taunts at him. Dom literally did nothing to provoke that. That was 100% Alvarado's fault. I know I've probably said before that like it takes two to tango when it comes to f- benches clearing and all that, but in this instance, Dom did not do anything wrong 100% 100% Alvarado and then the bench is clear, and then Alvarado's yelling at Dom. After the game, Dom said he didn't understand what Alvarado was saying because Alvarado was yelling at him in Spanish, and Dom's like, I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know what he was saying, but I could see you could see like the hand-waving and all that, all the antics he was giving. So Dom didn't like that. Then, in the next inning, Reese Hoskins is up. M- Miguel Castro is in for the Mets, who, by the way, has been fantastic this year. Miguel Castro throws two pitches inside. The second pitch that goes inside is uh, ball four. He's walking down the first. Hoskins gives a stare down to Castro and starts saying something to him. And Nito, or not Nito, James McCann is trying to keep Hoskins moving. Castro did not like that Hoskins gave him a little stare down and started yelling at him. And they almost cleared again. They cleared a little bit because Castro started yelling at Hoskins because Hoskins thought that Castro threw inside on him on purpose. Now, I'm no expert on a situation where a guy is going to get thrown at on purpose. But, if in my opinion, if Castro wanted to hit Reese Hoskins to like quote-unquote even the score or get back at the Phillies, he would have hit him. He threw two pitches inside. He would have hit Hoskins if he really wanted to hit him. At most, I I would think that Castro threw... I'm not saying there's any intent. At most, I'm saying Castro threw inside if there was intent to kind of send a message like, hey, Alvarado was out of line, now we're even. I don't think that there was any intent, though. Given the circumstance and the situation, it looks like there may have been intent, but if he wanted to hit Hoskins, he would have hit him. Plain and simple. If he wanted to hit him, he would have hit him. And then after the game, uh, suspension was dished out to Jose Alvarado, who was suspended for three games. He appealed it; it got down to two, which was annoying because he was horrible Monday night. He couldn't hit the strikes or Sunday night. He couldn't hit the strike zone if it was twenty feet by twenty feet. So conveniently, the next night he was going to be probably not used anyway. So he was re- really only suspended for one game. Then Dom gets fined, an undisclosed fine, along with Miguel Castro. Now I guess I can under- i guess I can understand Dom getting a fine because it was Dom and Alvarado were the two hotheads in that situation. But I don't understand why Miguel Castro got fined. If Miguel Castro wanted to hit Reese Hoskins, he would have hit Reese Hoskins. He threw inside two pitches inside. They weren't at his head. They were middle plate, middle of the plate belt area. They weren't up and in or anything like that. I don't understand why Castro got fined. I guess I understand why Dom also got fined, but I don't understand why Castro got fined. I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that MLB, not one bit. Especially, especially since there was another bench clearing in Cincinnati that we'll talk about later, where there was no suspension or fines as of this morning when I read about it that were levied in that bench clearing incident. But again, we'll cu- we'll talk about that a little bit later on. So that was a little annoying, but hopefully it got a little fuel uh in this in the Mets lineup. Then Sunday night came. What a wild wild game Sunday night, especially the last two innings of the game. So the 8th inning comes around. It's 4 to 3. And then Jonathan Villara gets a base hit. Then Jose Peraza comes in to make his Mets debut. Out of I honestly forgot the Mets signed Jose Peraza. So Jose Peraza comes up, hits a line drive over to Hoskins at first base. Hoskins uh, missed it, just went off his glove, just just out of his reach. Reaches for it off his glove. Uh, VR is able to get to third, just because of where the ball rolled to. Jonathan VR caught the Phillies dead in the water sleeping. He rounds third. No one's paying attention. Everyone's all got their back turned. Hoskins taking his time getting the ball. He's mad at himself because he missed that play, so he's being all laissez-faire with it. He lobs it up to get it back in the infield, and VR takes off and steals a run from the Phillies to tie the game. It was, it was I loved it just comes around third no one's paying attention just takes off for home tie game then the Mets get the bases loaded because like I said before Alvarado couldn't hit anything he was throwing balls all over the place Pete comes up rips a three-run double thank courtesy of Donnie Stevenson the I'm assuming is an inside joke among the Mets players where they're saying that's where their offense is starting to heat up and come from is their uh, Donnie Stevenson, which I is some sort of inside joke. Maybe one day we'll find out the orig- origination of that. And then it goes to the bottom of the ninth. Edwin Diaz is coming in. A lot of people were confused as to why Diaz was coming in. In my opinion, why not? You why not get him Get him in there and throw him? It was a four-run lead. He's been great this year. What could possibly go wrong? Well, Roman Quinn, RBI triple. So it's 8-5. Uh, then two more runners get on. So Diaz obviously not his best night. Not having a good night. Two outs. Reese Hoskins comes up yet again. Hits the ball to deep right field. Hits the top of the post on the right field wall. It is ruled a home run. And the game is tied at 8. Everyone's going crazy. Hoskins has his arm up. The Phillies dugout's going crazy. The fans are going crazy. We got a tie game. Then, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's under review. So the way the F- Citizens Bank Park is constructed, there's the right field wall. Then there's a po uh. bar across the top of the wall and then there's the seats. For it to be a home run in Citizens Bank Park it has to hit the seats. If it hits that top bar railing it is not a home run. That's just how it if it hits that railing it's not a home run. They are reviewing it Diaz gets taken out because he's having uh, it was injury related turns out he had some back stiffness but he should be good to go. So Jairus Familia is coming in to warm up while they're reviewing it. And they review it. You look at it, and you really—it didn't look like it hit the seats. It looked like it hit the top of that post. Then the umpires come out with the verdict. It was ruled to have hit the post, the top of that railing. And Hoskins was not happy. Hoskins—you could read lips—that Hoskins had some uh, not so nice words to say to the umps. So based on where the runners were when the ball hit the railing. It was ruled a double. Hoskins would be at second. And both runners did score. Would score. So it was 8-7 at that point. And then Harper comes up. Harper strikes out against Familia. The Mets escape with a series win. And a wild, wild finish. And... That was nuts. That was one of the crazier endings to a game I've seen in a long time. And if... Therese Hoskins, or any Phillies fans that are upset with that, don't be mad at the umps for making that call. I know the umps made a lot of questionable calls, like especially with that McCutcheon out of the baseline one. The umps had a bad series in Philly, but blame your stadium layout for that. For that even having to be a reviewable play. Blame the stadium for that. That's not the umps doing That's the your stadium is laid out to the point where if it hits that bar, it's not a home run. That bar wasn't there, that's a home run. Any single day. Doesn't hit that bar, it's a home run. Any other stadium, almost probably any other stadium, that's a home run. So blame that bar for that being there. Don't blame the umps for making that call. Uh, I don't think, it wasn't a Mets challenge. I believe it was just an umpire review. Uh, if you watch the replay, you could see McNeil kind of put his arms up when he's, look, he's looking at Conforto and right. he puts his arms up, which makes me think McNeil may have thought that, may have said something and thought that, hey, maybe that didn't, maybe that hit that bar, and if so, that's not a home run. It's not a home run. But nonetheless, the Mets escaped with a series win against the Phillies. They lost last night. Uh, they had a bullpen game, Joey Lucchese started, followed by Gesellman, Sean Reed Foley came in. Not a good, well, it was a good night offensively, their offense was cooking. They lost 6-5, to five. they got going early, but it was just a, you know, Lucchese didn't have a good night, and that turned out to be the difference maker. Uh, the Mets will have DeGrom up again tonight and then followed by Strowman and Tywon Walker to finish out the series with the Cardinals. Jack Flaherty is starting the last game? Last game of the series, yes. If I wish he was starting tonight, that would be great. But the Mets did make a move last night that surprised some, was not a surprise to others. The timing of it was, what was weird. After last night late into the night, the Mets fired hitting coach Chili Davis and assistant hitting coach Tom Slater following last night's loss, which was a bit of a surprise. They have, I have to, here it is. Minor league hitting development, Hugh Quattlebaum. I hope I said that right. Hugh Quattlebaum and Kevin Howard, who were in the minor league system for the Mets, are the new assistant or head... Quattlebaum is the new hitting coach, and Kevin Howard will be the new assistant hitting coach. This was kind of a surprise, a little bit. I was expecting, if they were planning on firing Chili Davis for the Mets' lack of offense throughout this recent stretch, I would have expected... I was expecting Chili Davis to be around a little bit longer. I'm very surprised they also fired the assistant hitting coach, but, I mean, a lot of people were saying that it wasn't really that surprising that Chili Davis was on the hot seat. Luis Ro- Luis Robert, we'll talk about him later. Luis Rojas is not on the hot seat, which is good. He shouldn't be. Uh, I guess I understand why Chili Davis may have been on the hot seat, but I also was not expecting him, if he were to get fired, to get fired this early. That was a little bit, a little bit surprising. But, Quattlebaum is the new hitting coach for the Mets, and speaking of hitting, their offense has started to pick up the last couple games, but before that, it was non-existent. It was unbelievable how an offense that talented just wasn't hitting, and I saw a stat going into Saturday, and it's changed a little bit, because there's been a few games since then, but coming into tonight, the Mets' pitching combined pitching staff ERA is a 3.26, which is 5th in all of Major League Baseball. They're in the middle of the pack in terms of batting average. And they have struck out the fewest amount of times of any team in baseball. Yet they are 11-12 and on the year. So they're hitting the ball. It's just not resulting in runs or going in their favor. They're not striking out as much as everyone else. And yet their pitching has been so good. Going into Saturday, they were the second best staff ERA in all of baseball, only like .03 behind the Padres. So they're pitching great. The bullpen was like, oh everybody oh this bullpen still stinks. The bullpen until Sunday night had his nineteen inning consecutive scoreless inning streak. Until Sunday night. The bullpen's been great this year. Starting rotation's been great outside of the fifth starter spot, which is uh, hopefully going to settle down when Carrasco comes back in the next 10 days or so. Or joins the team for the first time in the next 10 days or so. It's just the offense just isn't hitting to what it's capable of. Lindor's stretch right now, he's 0 for 23, I think it was, or 0 for 20 something. He hasn't gotten on base in his last 20 some at bats. Uh, Conforto's starting to pick it up, Pete's starting to pick it up, but McCann, Lindor, aren't hitting. McNeil has starting to pick it up, but McCann and Lindor, the two big names you brought in off, from an offensive standpoint this off season, are not are not off to great starts. Uh, McCann's been a little better than McCann's been better than Lindor offensively, but we all know that Lindor is not is way too good to hit 170 through an entire year. We all know he's way too good for that. And then the Mets depth is being put to the test with Nimo being injured, uh potentially going on the IL, JD Davis now on the IL, but Pilar and VR have stepped up tremendously. Luis Giorma is also on the injured list, so the Jose Praza has to fill in there. Their depth is stepping up. VR's been great this year. Pilar has starting to pick it up. He got off to a Bad, a horrible start, and now that he's playing more, he's starting to pick it up, but this offense just needs more consistency, that's all it is, and they're all starting to pick it up now, the offense has been great the past couple days, it's just, and they're doing this without Lindor, without Lindor doing what Francisco Lindor does, Dom Smith's struggling a little bit, and James McCann's been a little iffy. But once Lindor gets going, once Dom does what Dom does, once McCann can do what McCann does, and everybody else keeps going, this team, that offense, is going to be a juggernaut. It is going to be filthy. Assuming also the pitching can continue the way it's going, this team is going to be set. And with the Dodgers struggling, they look vulnerable right now. Which we'll talk about that in a little bit. So it's it's starting to turn around. I don't know if uh, firing Chili Davis is going to solve all the problems. Uh, maybe Donnie Stevenson, the Mets' imaginary hitting instructor liaison, is the trick. Who knows? But uh, we'll have to figure out, and hopefully they can keep that offense rolling get some momentum going they have a stretch here they're in the middle of a stretch now where they're playing 10 days in a row before their next day off so hopefully they can get some more consistent offense going into that off day but that is going to be it in terms of New York Mets news we're going to transition now into the rest of Major League Baseball we have two major injuries Dustin May of the Dodgers will be out for the rest of the year a huge, huge blow. He is getting Tommy John surgery. Such, such awful. It's horrible for the Dodgers from playing standpoint. That's a big blow to their rotation. But from also a baseball standpoint, Dustin May's stuff is electric. It is unreal watching him. His two-seamer, it the movement on his two-seamer is ridiculous. So having a talent like him be done for the year... This is a real blow. Another young talent done for the year is Luis... Or not done for the year, but done for a majority of the year. Luis Robert will be out 12 to 16 weeks with a right hip flexor tear. Huge blow for the White Sox after they also have lost, at the beginning of the season, Eloy Jimenez for about six months to a torn peck. So two of their up-and-coming superstars are unfortunately going to be out for a long time, won't be back till late August, September, uh, for their final playoff push. But those are just huge, huge blows for both of those teams and also for baseball. They're two up-and-coming stars, and just having that happen is just horrible. I mentioned it earlier. We're going to talk about it again. The bench is cleared in Cincy. Amir Garrett, it wasn't enough for him to charge the entire Pirates dugout in 2019, he now is going after the entire Chicago Cubs dugout, he's taken his run through the National League, Amir Garrett who struggled to start the year, struck out Anthony Rizzo in the their series against the Cubs, he was very excited or pumped up, he's a lot like Marcus Stroman where he likes to show his emotion, and I'm not saying that's wrong, that's good, I like that. But he starts. Garrett starts showing his emotion. Javi Bias took exception to that. Starts yelling off at Garrett. Garrett doesn't. Garrett's gonna give it back to you every single time. Garrett comes back at him. Next thing you know, the bench is cleared. Amir Garrett and Javi Baez are in each other's faces. Uh, there's that picture on Twitter of Javi Bias just straight up flipping off Amir Garrett, which was great. But no suspensions, no fines as of now, levied in that situation, which. Kind of annoying, considering that what hap- that they issued fines and suspensions in the Mets, Phillies fiasco—but not issuing even fines in this situation, which was Ill- inconsistent of Major League Baseball. But you know, we could go on forever and ever about that. But it's—it's it's whatever. Uh, there are two. Let me see here. Two, I'm just reading over my notes quick. Two more things I want to talk about before we do this day in baseball. First of which, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, get it together. First of all, they sat there and said that I love Matt Vascursion as a broadcaster. I love him, but they had a, it. was a struggle. It was a painful night to listen on Sunday. First of all, they said that they talked about McCann and JT Realmuto's free agency. McCann signed long, long before JT Realmuto. Which they did correct that later on. They also said Francisco Lindor was acquired in free agency. Francisco Lindor was traded. He wasn't acquired in free agency. He was traded and then they extended him. There, That is a difference. There is a difference in that. But also, I tweeted this and it's worth repeating. If you want to grow the game of baseball, quit playing the same teams as every Sunday night baseball, Sunday Night baseball on ESPN, the only game going on in Major League Baseball. No other every other game is done. Seven o'clock Sunday night is one game and one game only. every single time. it's the Phillies, Braves, Cubs, Cardinals, Yankees, Astros every single week like they showed their schedule for the next week or so. You have the Yankees and Astros, you have Cubs Braves, you have the Phillies again, you have the Cardinals, you have the Braves again, you have the Cubs again. I understand people love watching those teams, but like, let's put some different teams on there. Like the Mets have had a good amount of Sunday Night baseball games, but like how about the Kansas City Royals? The Kansas City Royals are in first place in their division. No one had them above 500 really at any point this entire year. They're in first place in one of the best teams in baseball right now. Put them on Sunday Night Baseball. Grow the. I, I don't even know half the freaking Royals roster. They have some great names on the up and coming stars on that roster, like Mondesi, Whit Merrifield, Hunter Dozier. They got great young pitching. Show some different teams. Kansas City, who's in first place. Boston, who's in first place, off to a great start. Throw Boston up there. The San Francisco Giants and Arizona Diamondbacks are having great starts to the year. Same with the Brewers. Throw them on there. Quit playing the same teams over and over. The Cubs are a losing team this year. The Braves are in fourth place. You're showing two fourth, fifth place teams face off against each other. No one wants to watch that. They want to watch the first place teams battle against each other. Which bleeds into my second rant and last rant, the power rankings for this week. I know they're power rankings and they mean nothing, but the power rankings were ridiculous for this past week. The Yankees should not have been top 10. Neither should the Houston Astros, neither should the Atlanta Braves, should not be top 10. You're telling me the Atlanta Braves are a top 10 team in all of baseball right now. That's what the power rankings are. Each week they say these are the top 10 teams for this week in all of baseball. You're telling me the Braves are a top 10 team? When coming in the last night, they were 12-16 and 16 and in 4th place in the NL East. And the only reason they are even still in the NL East race is because of Ronald Acuna Jr.? How is a 4th place team, a top 10 team in all of baseball? The Oakland A's are in 1st place in their division. They're coming off a 13 game winning streak. And they weren't even top 10, but the Houston Astros, who are in 3rd place in the division, were 5th. The Brewers should have been much higher, and the Cardinals, who coming into last night, before last night's game, had won 4 in a row and had won eight of their last 10, they weren't even top 10. I don't know who makes those decisions or what they are looking at. Toronto should have been top 10. The A's should have been top 10. The Cardinals should have been top 10. The Yankees, Braves, and Astros should not. If you're going to lift up, if you're going to put out a power ranking and say these are the top 10 teams in baseball for this week. Coming out of this past week, these are the top 10 teams in Major League Baseball. And two of them have losing records and are in third or fourth place in their division. The other one is a third place in their division, and the first place team in that division isn't even a top 10 team after they just came off a 13-game win streak. I guess there's obviously something that I'm missing and when they do these power rankings, because I thought that was just terrible, the A's and Cardinals deserve so much more respect than that, and should have been on there. The Yankees and especially the Braves had no business being on that list. If you are going to be ranked as a top ten team in Major League Baseball for a week, you should at least have a winning record. Come on, twelve and sixteen, and you're a top ten team in baseball? I, I don't I don't get that I don't get that but you know I'm not I'm I'm not making those decisions so we're gonna stop with the tangent from there and that's going to wrap it up for today's episode we're gonna end it with this day in baseball history on this day in 2018 Albert Pujols the machine joins the 3,000 hit club the 31st member on in the all uh, all time hits group of the 3,000-hit club, Albert Pujols became the 31st member, a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. He is currently 14th all-time in Major, er, in major League Baseball history with 3,252 hits, 14th all-time. He's uh, trailing Eddie Murray, Willie Mays, Eddie Collins, and Paul Mahler, all of which he could realistically catch this year. He needs about, oh, quick math here, about 70 more hits to pass all those guys. Once he passes Paul Moller, he will be 10th all-time in hits. And then in front of him for that, starting at 3419 and higher, is uh, Carly Yastrzemski, Honus Wagner, Cap Anson, Derek Jeter, Tris Speaker, Stan Musial, Hank Aaron, Ty Cobb, and Pete Rose. <laughs> I don't think that Albert Pujols will catch those guys. But Albert Pujols definitely Hall first ballot Hall of Famer in my eyes. One of the greatest hitters of all time. His nickname is the machine for a reason. He's still chugging along. He's forty-one. For chug, for he's still chugging along. So good for good for Albert Pujols. Good for baseball. And then among active players, there's uh, next closest to three thousand hits. Is Miggy, who's at twenty two thousand eight hundred seventy-two, he could hit that this year, but the injuries probably not. He may have to. That may be a next year thing to look out for. And then after Miggy, there's no one until Robinson Cano, who's about uh, three hundred seventy hits away from three thousand. So we don't look like we'll see another three thousand hit member until probably next year with Miggy. And I think we got a couple more years for Cano, even if he's if he even is still around for that long. But that is going to wrap it up for today's episode of Raise the Apple. Jacob de Grande. What can deGrande do tonight to top himself? We'll see. Hopefully, the Mets can even up this series at a game apiece with the Cardinals. Get back to 500. Get back in the first place. And we will hopefully have some more to talk about on Thursday. Make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe down below. Make sure you subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, and make sure you hit that follow button on Twitter at RTA underscore pod. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Raise the Apple. We'll see you back on Thursday. Let's go Mats. Bang bang, 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 won't stop till we're legends.